0: Welcome to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me, your host, Father Craig Garrow. And your host, Father Drew Mabey. As we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the archdiocese and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcast, and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Men of the Hearts. We're up in our 30s now, so this is pretty cool. We're, we're getting older. We're hey, getting, hey, yeah. yeah. That's really, really great. We've got a wonderful priest on right now. I think he's like the nicest man in the world. I Just kindest. The kindest, just an all-around good guy. His name is Father Joseph Kirkano. Welcome, Father Joseph.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, oh, great to have you, Father. Great
0: to have you. Great to have you on. Uh, so you've had so many different assignments, and you've been all over the place, and you've also studying and stuff like that. But before we get into your vocation story, I'd love to hear just a blessing in your life. What's been going on and what's been happening?
1: Well, speaking of assignments, uh, my, my last one was uh, was working on a doctorate uh, in order to work and teach at Sacred Heart. Actually. So you're,
0: you're Reverend Dr. Joseph Kirkconnell.
1: Well, not quite. So I haven't quite finished, and that's where but that's where the blessing comes in. So I had a meeting uh, via Zoom with my director, uh, Dr. Jem Sullivan, and the two readers. So... Uh, it went very well. And uh, w- anyway, I was, it was, it was very blessed. And looks like the defense, we haven't set the date exactly yet, but should be in the near future. And uh, just got to make nice. some revisions. And, but it's close to, cl- it's it just a wait. Yeah. It's you know, a good it, it, it's feeling. It's a good feeling. It's the a end great is, feeling. The end is <laughs> so.
0: Where are you studying? Where did, where did you study?
1: Uh, so I studied at Catholic University of America. Okay. Um, and it's, my area is catechetics. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And then, so you're teaching at Sacred Heart Major Seminary now? Yeah. So I
1: have started here, but because I still have to defend, I only have one class at the moment. So that's uh, Sacraments of Initiation. Mm. And I have, that's the third year theology guys. So it's all seminarians. And I'm also the undergraduate spiritual director. So I'm in charge of spiritual formation for the um, the college guys. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm taking some spiritual direction classes. So uh, we'll have to talk and compare some notes. Definitely. Should we (laughs) put uh, Father Drew on the spot and ask him what the Sacraments of Initiation are?
2: Why not? <laughs> they are, well, coming from, a, coming from a convert, they are the way, you might say, the, the doorway into the church. Baptism, um, especially for, we have the privilege in Pontiac of doing a lot of them because we have a massive Hispanic community. So baptism being kind of the doorway into Holy Mother Church. Amen. So I, I myself was baptized in a Protestant tradition, so I didn't actually receive that in the Catholic Church, but I was confirmed. And obviously received first Holy Communion, and instead of baptism, what's known as an additional or kind of second or however many times you need to go baptism, confession. So I had my very first confession. So yeah, I won't uh, pound the table anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for uh, yeah, yeah. put on the spot and answering correctly. Yeah. I just want you, you to, got it right. Good hey, job. Praise yeah, praise God. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what's been going something. on with you, Father Drew? With me? Oh, man. CrossFit. <laughs> Father yeah. Drew does CrossFit, he is... That's always um, a
2: bad thing to say, I think, out loud. You uh,
0: do motorcycles as well, we know that. Uh, you, you ride not motorcycles. Uh, did you? Did we talk about how you used to run a, a, a news station, not a news station, a, oh, a, radio show. a radio show, and it was called Shred to the Metal or something like that? <laughs> it was what, called what, The
2: Shred Session.
0: The Shred Session, and what kind of music yeah, was yeah. on The Shred Session? We
2: had kind of a nice mix of, like, 90s alt-rock with a little bit of, like, Punk rock and ska at times. Ska, yeah, it was it was a it was a unique time in my life. It was like <laughs> kind of right around the time that I was just coming to know the Lord Jesus, and so I was still kind of like uh, you know things were happening. The Lord was doing stuff, but I still had a lot of uh, let's just say kind of musical tastes that were uh, still very much marked by like my days in high school. The and whatnot. shred. So yeah, we had a. Uh, I was. Did you skink? Uh, no, I don't think so. Skank is like, you know, like the ska where you oh, like yeah, yeah. raise no, your arms. I did not do that. I did not do that. Yeah, this was, I was, I was not that hardcore. Did you yeah. play
0: like Rancid and stuff like that?
2: We we played some Less Than Jake. Okay, I don't know some other uh, bands. I don't know if I played Rancid. I'm familiar Ruby, with Rancid.
0: Ruby, 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 so Yeah, yeah,
2: right, right, okay, right. Yeah, yeah. so we had, a, we had a nice little lineup and it, when it was kind of a... Uh, was it from like three o'clock to four o'clock in the morning? No, it was in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I think we had a total of six listeners, actually. I think my, my biggest <laughs> (laughs) Listenership, I think, was it was for a class, so it was like maybe 10 people. Um, anyway, so uh, I was studying radio broadcasting at the time, I didn't quite know what I was supposed to do with my life, and uh, this was part of our radio broadcasting class, casting class that we had to have a radio show, so I thought, hey, we'll call uh, we'll call mine the shred session, you know, and uh, yeah, it, it ended up taking off pretty well, and uh. Actually, I remember interviewing this guy who had uh, I'd been in class with, and so yeah, it was just kind of it was an interesting uh, segment of life, but it was a fun one. So, yeah, hopefully the Lord used it in some way.
0: But I kind of bogarted your um, blessing. Why don't you tell us the blessing <laughs> that's been going
2: on? <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. So, <laughs> More
0: than just a shred.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it just kind of normal life since the last time we talked in Pontiac. Uh, I had the privilege of just. Uh, uh, Father Jake, uh, the priest I'm, Father Jacob, the priest I'm with in Pontiac, he's actually, I don't know if we still have pastors or not, but he's quote kind of Id- ideally the pastor, and I'm the associate, or we're priests in solidum, but uh, we have a pretty booming kind of Hispanic parish, predominantly, so we've had tons of just like baptisms, um, gosh, I'll have, you know, five, six at a time usually in Espanol. Um, we have a very active hospital, so I've gone to the hospital a ton for anointings, um, for mass and some other things. And I guess, I guess I've been really blessed just recently in a particular way, um, speaking of the sacraments of initiation, um, with uh, baptism and confession. Um, I I mean, I've always, ever since I was a deacon, had the privilege of baptizing uh, our brothers and sisters, especially our our younger ones. But there is something remarkable when you actually get to see somebody being born again and becoming either a beloved son or a daughter of the father, because that's really what happens in the sacrament. And just seeing like they were once, you might say, uh, estranged, and now they're actually his beloved. You know, and uh, and now they've actually received power to live the Christian life. They you once know, were lost, received, but now they're found. Now they're found. They've received it, like grace, and uh, and the and the call of Jesus is is upon them. You know, yeah. and uh, and just seeing how that like this isn't just some no mere ritual. This is really like a an, uh, an encounter with power. You might say, Amen. and so I think especially seeing that also connected to. Um, we hear confessions every Friday. We have mercy night for two hours. We have confessions and adoration. Um, and it's just been a huge grace because aside from going to confession, hearing confessions is probably the, the biggest gift on the face of the earth, I suppose, after offering the holy sacrifice to the mass. Um, but There's it, something
0: really personal there and something it's beautiful.
2: really f- freeing.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah, it's an intimate moment in which someone opens up their soul to you and you as the priest and the person of, of Christ is you know, the one who is going to take away whatever has been burdening them. It's, yeah, it's, it's amazing.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if you guys experienced this, but it, it just seems like, and I think the Holy Father said this a number of times, but it, I think there is, this is really true. The more you go yourself and the more you kind of just continuously uh, encounter more deeply uh, Jesus' saving uh, precious blood, wash away all your sins, and also just the grace of being loved by the Father in a deeper way the more you're able to actually, I think, kind of hear people and and um, just think of, I think often the missionaries of charity, like wh- whoever it is who comes to us, um, it's not just another person in line. Like God has a unique kind of word for them. And it may not be anything too profound that you say, but the way the Lord could use you in this person's life to really like change the whole course of their existence. And you're really just standing in Jesus's place. And, and you get to just witness and experience God's love. I think for myself, uh, in a very palpable way because you get to witness like their sins just getting destroyed and drowned in Jesus's blood and then literally they get to walk out a free man or woman and they get to start life all over again and actually i I always have a habit of saying this but it's just like you can really leave here and live a different life like that's what we believe and um so anyways just confessions recently baptisms and then i think just to kind of cap it off i go to the hospital a lot And uh, I'm just regularly reminded of just how short life is because we're anointing people often. Um, And sometimes it's very sudden for people when they they might find out they only have a day left to live. You know, it's not what they expected. But also just the grace from that for me has just been like, don't waste your life. You know, like don't waste your time here. Um, We celebrate St. Francis today and like just let him have everything of your life. Like let him use you in all the ways that he wants to use you. Um, don't don't just like kind of squander the time with with uh, superficial things or you know just kind of worldly distractions. But it, it, it just a reminder for me daily: like, am I really? I am a priest, thanks be to God. But am I really? Is my heart really kind of surrendered and sold out to Jesus? Um, so, anyways, that's just some ramblings in my head. No, and it's kind of beautiful. And blessings. No, it's beautiful. I think um,
0: you know. I think if I would have talked to a priest while I was discerning a, about confession and, and the grace, and it, it just. I know there's something charged up about it you you know and there's been times where I've you know been giving hearing confessions and you just feel your whole body just kind of light up and and like every hair kind of stands up on the back of your neck and you're like the Holy Spirit did something amazing here and he allowed me to like actually physically feel it and and you could just tell sometimes that Mm -hmm. someone's whole
2: life has changed and Mm -hmm. um they're ready to live a new life so And and I think just getting back to the initial question, like we get to see people, you know, get confirmed also. And then that was my own experience. And just like, again, the sacraments just being these sources of power, like the life of God really coming into your your very being. And I I don't know, I just, it strikes me sometimes that we just don't remember that or we don't quite grasp that. They can become just very ritualistic to us. Sure. And there's so much more than that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And even you were saying this, Drew, uh, Father Drew, Uh, (laughs) but the, uh, Sometimes the word you say, you're like, whoa, like, where'd that come from? Like, that wasn't from me, you know? And and not that it's necessarily some big profound thing, but still, it's it's the Holy Spirit guiding it. And this word to that person, and um, sometimes they share and let you know, but other times they don't. But you just trust it to the Lord and and know that He's at work. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And just to mention about what you said a little bit earlier as well is that, you know, the more you go to confession, the holier that you get, you know, God can work through... You Anybody know, imperfect priests and even priests who are in mortal sin, but God would prefer to work through a holy priest and, and a good priest. So the more that we can be, uh, you know, closer to Christ, uh, I think the better we can minister. And, and even in those little things where it might not necessarily be profound, but God is speaking through us because, you know, we've spent that time with him in, in prayer and in chapel and being with him. So, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Can I put
2: you on the spot again? Well, I was going to put you in the spot this oh. time.
0: Okay, put me on the spot.
2: (laughs) I don't know if I'm allowed to do that. Uh Uh-oh. But uh, Padre, Father Craig was in Rome. What were you in Rome for? Yeah,
0: well, that, that was my blessing I was going to talk about. So you teed that up really, really Sorry, perfect. Sorry, I just yeah. thought
2: I was thinking of... Anyways, go ahead. No, that was Launch great. So it.
0: I was in Rome because our our uh, last co-host, Father David Pelican... Oh, yeah. Um, Shout
2: out, Father David.
0: Well, he was there, but I wasn't necessarily there to see Father <laughs> David Pelican. I was there to see Deacon Ryan Asher because we have a seminary out there, seminarian out there who's studying at the NAC. Um, What's and, the
2: NAC again? Uh, North American College?
0: Yeah, North Sorry. American College. <laughs> Give me a second. You know? It's all right. I do Yeah, my
2: bad. My bad.
0: No, but he is, you know, got ordained as a transitional deacon in St. Peter's. Um, nice. It was beautiful mass. Uh, a number of people were there. But I stayed at what they call the Casa Santa Maria, mm. which is where the priests stay as they're studying for the STL or the STD that, for mm-hmm. their doctorate. And, of course, we know that Father David is over there studying for his doctorate. And that was his first week there. So while we were around for uh, Father, uh, not Father, Deacon Ryan, uh, for all the different events, we had a vigil service. We did a Mass of Thanksgiving the next day. We went and we had Mass in the cell of St. Dominic because Mm. uh, a priest had a connection there as well. It just was all these wonderful things that we got to see. But uh, to just see Father David in his element getting ready for his school. So all the new guys were there last week uh... so no one knew each other so as I was staying there, half of the people thought I was studying there too because I went to mass with them a couple of times. And they're like, well, who are you? And I'm like thinking in my head, well, you don't need to get to know me. I'm not. I'm leaving next week. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I had some great conversations and stuff like that. But to, nice. to walk around Rome and, and to be there, it was hot. It was like in the upper 80s. Mid, yeah, we were sweating. There were a lot of people there because the Ryder Cup was there as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, beautiful, no rain, everything like that. We walked everywhere. I think walked like seven miles every single day. I've got nice. 20,000 steps one day. so that nice. was pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was just really amazing to just to be out there with Deacon Ryan to, to see that happen for him and to get excited again about ordination and, and why. I'm a priest and, and why, you know, I went through all those different things, you know, yeah. through seminaries to go out and to minister. And to his credit, Deacon Ryan, I mean, um, he had like 30 people there with wow. him, you know, so like, you know, he's trying to orchestrate stuff while get ready for ordination. And then the next day, uh, mass of Thanksgiving, a pre-celebrated mass and he got out and preached and preached a great homily. And the next day he preached again and preached a wow. great homily. So, um, uh, yeah, the Holy Spirit working with him. So it was a wonderful uh, to be out there in Rome and to celebrate Mass into some wonderful places and to see Deacon Ryan get ordained. Nice. So, glory awesome. To God.
2: awesome. Deacon Ryan, if you're out there and you're listening, we're super grateful and just honored and delighted to have you uh, now as part of the Brotherhood. And uh, we miss you and look forward to having you back in the great state of Michigan.
0: Yeah, and hopefully soon to be ordained here in Detroit That's right, we'll Archbishop. be at your priestly ordination, so really looking forward to that. Amen to that. So, Father Joseph, we've been kind of just chatting around. Why don't you kind of tell us your vocation story and start however you want?
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, So something got people listening might not know is that I'm originally from the Cayman Islands. So the Archdiocese of Detroit, uh, about 20 years ago or so, um, we got put under Detroit. So... um, so, Where's the Cayman Islands? Uh, it's in the Caribbean. Oh. No, that's a good question. A lot of people <laughs> yeah, don't no, know I that. Know, yeah. <laughs> they, 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 Yeah. And they're like, anyway, so Western Caribbean, it's literally a dot on the map. There's, It's three islands, but the main island is Grand Cayman, which is where most people live. Um, but it is south of Cuba and kind of northwest of Jamaica. So it's about an hour flight from Miami. If you were to go straight south, cross over Cuba, you'd hit us after an hour. Right uh-huh. on. That's where uh-huh. we're on. Yeah. So... So that's where I grew up, and uh, all my family is still there. Uh, my parents have three brothers, and my mom comes from ten. so all my uncles, aunts, cousins, they're all there. Uh, but so large family, uh, lots of cousins, we're all very close, and the faith was always like a very important part of my life. Um, yeah. As far back as I, as I can remember, I wanted to, to do God's will. Now, I didn't know that it meant priesthood, mm-hmm. but uh, just wanted to follow Him and do His will, and I, of course, give all the, you know, the credit to my parents for raising me in the faith, mm-hmm. you know, my mom. Can I stop you for a second? Sure. I just, this is a stupid question or yeah. a silly question or however
0: you want to call it. <laughs> how big is the Cayman Islands and how many parishes are there? I mean, I thought I heard it was like small, like you can drive it in, in an hour or so.
1: It is. Yeah. So the main Island, Grand Cayman is about 20 miles long and furthest North to South is about seven. Hmm. Uh, but it's 76 square miles. And then the other two islands are very small. It's, uh, 14 square miles and 10 square miles it came in Brack and Little came in and
0: so everybody knows each other basically.
1: Yes and no. Um anyone who's lived there for a little bit? Yes. Um, like my family's been there for a long time, but half the population though are people from other nations. So it, even though it's so small, mm-hmm. it is more affluent so there's a lot of like banking jobs, tourism jobs. So there are a lot of people who come there who then send money back home like many oh, okay. many from India, from the Philippines, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jamaica is the most, you know, being the closest and so on. So uh, it's very diverse, uh, and so that population is kind of transient, kind of coming and going. People for 7 to 10 years, they go back home, et cetera, you know. Mm-hmm. so that's And how many churches are on the island? Oh, and it's, it's one parish. One parish. One parish for the whole country, but there are three churches. Okay. On Grand Cayman, there's St. Ignatius of Loyola. That was the first, um, first parish, and it started in the 50s, and it was priests from Jamaica, actually. At, at that time, we were under the Archdiocese of Kingston, hmm. Jamaica, and... Uh, Jesuits from Jamaica would come, uh, and then they founded the parish. Then uh, Christ the Redeemer is on that main island as well. Uh, but it, again, it's the same two priests that run everything. And so Christ the Redeemer just has one mass on a Sunday. Mm. It's just like 20 minutes drive away. Mm-hmm. And then on the second island, Kimmer Brack, uh, is Stella Maris, um, and st- uh, that, which means Star of the Sea. And that is, I mean, they probably have 30 to 40 people on a Sunday. And, and it's only every other Sunday because... Those two islands are far enough away that you you have to fly there. You can't. It's small planes, but you can't just go by boat. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so every other Sunday, one of the priests will go and celebrate mass there, and they have communion services in in between. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So.
0: So it's. I just think it's kind of interesting to know the the area and what you grew up in. Sure. To to start off your story. So
1: yeah. 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 So, uh, as I said, you know, we our family went. Went to mass every sunday my, my mom was involved with uh parish council my dad was part of the school board oh i should say there yeah there's a grade school and a high school there now hmm. um the high school opened in the grade school in 71 high school in 94. Hmm. uh yeah 94 and my my oldest brother was actually the first graduating class from oh, wow. from the high school yeah so that's that's pretty new but um so yeah I grew up it, with an atmosphere of faith and it was just part of life you know and as I said, I wanted to just do do God's will. And that was something my mom told. I've th- told my brothers and I. We're all boys, um, no sisters. But uh, she said, be open to the priesthood because if that's God's will, that's where you're going to be happiest. So hmm. I can remember praying and just saying to the Lord, like, I'll do it, Lord, if, if you want me to. But I, you need, I need you to kind of help me or confirm it and let me mm-hmm. know. But I'm, um, but I'm open to it. So that was always, it was always something kind of in the back of my mind.
0: That's a great thing that you bring up. Just because a lot of parents will tell me, well, I don't want to push him in any direction. But if you're the parent and you know your son and you think he would make a good priest, tell him. Yeah. Because sometimes we feel like we're all alone and we don't know, you know, how we're gonna answer this call from God. But if we know other people, especially the people we love and and trust, it's it's a great help. So I didn't mean to cut you off no, there, no. but I just parents if you're listening
1: tell your sons yeah yeah and just to be open is what she said too cuz because like it it will make if it's where they're called that's where they're going to be happiest you know yeah. you want we want each person to be fulfilled and to know where god is calling them and so um so yeah so I was open to it um going through school i, I think you know I was a normal kid I, I played a lot of sports um like what, what, were, sports? You, what were you into so uh maybe no well they might find out now my uncle's might not want to hear this, but I, baseball was actually my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, but I played a lot more cricket in the end, um, okay. which I cricket. did enjoy as well. Nice. Yeah, it's very popular in the Caribbean. Um, and all my uncles played, and nice. I ended up playing with them on the same team, same club team. Um, but in any case, yeah, I... I uh, but I, most sports I enjoy. I play tennis, squash, soccer. Uh, we call it football back home, but yeah. Uh, soccer. Uh, and Basketball was more like... With friends, two on two kind of stuff. But um, anyway, so I, I enjoy enjoy sports. Uh, did well in school. Um, yeah, this is so at the Catholic school. This is at the Catholic okay. school. I went all the way through. Yeah. Uh, but in fact, at every level, I've gone to Catholic school, uh, even till to, to the doctorate. So yeah. Um, yeah. So I very much enjoyed life. Enjoyed all that I was doing, all I was participating in. It was really a great life growing up there. Not, I mean everyone thinks of the beauty and all that. And certainly Mm -hmm. that is true. Uh, that's, but it was the family more than anything else for me, you know, Mm -hmm. just very close knit family. And like every Sunday we would go to my grandparents for lunch, right. And Christmas and Easter and so on, it was a big event and so on. So, uh, so yeah, just a a wonderful life, uh, growing up. Uh, some, as far as my vocation, a couple things that were influenced was one, um, was our parish priest, actually. He, was an Irish priest who was older and uh, had, was there through the Archdiocese of Kingston. He had served there and then was with us uh, towards, you know, later on in his life. And he was just a very um, regular guy, but a very holy man too. Like, holy, mm. and, and he was just present. So he was very close with our family. Uh, my my dad is a convert, although I've only mm. ever known him as Catholic because he, he was baptized when I was three. But uh, they were good friends, and he would come over and just play bridge. They'd play cards. Um, I think as, the way I remember it was like every Friday, but it, maybe it was once a month. I'm not sure. But mm-hmm. in any case, he was just around. And I didn't have that many conversa- longer conversations with him, but it was just his presence. And like I said, his holiness and his desire just you know, to do God's will. And it's only looking back now that I can see how that sort of planted seeds in my own heart of, of Desiring to to give my life in that way, too. Um, I'll come back to that in a second. Um, the other thing was uh, Eucharistic Adoration. So when I was in high school, about 13, 14 years old, uh, our parish opened up an Adoration Chapel. Hmm. And I started to go over there. I don't remember if it was right away or a couple of years in, but I would just go over for like 10 minutes, a couple of times a week. And then I started going more and for longer periods. And that's my love for the Lord really grew there and I just fell in love with the Lord. And and, and uh, so that, again, just drew me closer and deeper into his heart.
0: So we know God called you there, but like, what was the original, I mean, catalyst for you to start going to adoration? Just, I want to see what, what this is, or I'm told it's good to pray there, or like what was going on?
1: Yeah. Uh, so like I said, faith was always a part of, of my life and, and I was an altar server. And so um, I think it was just like, from what I can remember, just kind of like, what else could I be doing that's better? You know, like, mm-hmm. this will bless me for now and for eternity, you know? And so I just kind of went over to pray. And, um, like I said, it was just in recess, so it was just like 10 minutes, I'd come back. Um, but then later on, like I said, I would go more often. And, and also just in the school, too, the, um, the librarian in the high school would you know like in the month of october would would pray the rosary and invite students to come so i would do things like that and mm-hmm. so it was kind of all connected together you know mm-hmm. yeah so um and then uh, my last year of high school this is going back to the priest now uh, is when he passed away mm-hmm. and so i remember being at the funeral and thinking like if i could be half as holy as he is or was I would be in good shape you know and so that really inspired me as I was going off to college to pray about it and think about it more intensely and more deeply mm-hmm. um, I went to college which I went to the University of Notre Dame and uh, that again it was just in the back of my mind during that time and I was thinking about it I knew I wanted to do in some way study theology but I didn't know that was gonna be like my major I just knew that it, in whatever I did I would also wanted to, to, to study more theology um, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so what was your major? So, yeah, so I started out at, at Notre Dame the first year, is just first year of study. So I didn't have to declare. And mm-hmm. then at that point, um, I actually started in business, mm-hmm. but I wasn't, I just wasn't really happy. And, and, and so after a semester, I actually did full switch time to theology.
0: Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a weird question? Was it different? Like coming to like the mainland and not having sun and water around you. Yeah. I mean, you know, for me, so, it's so foreign for me. Yeah. It,
1: it wasn't, it wasn't a big, it wasn't like a culture shot. Like,
0: um, did you have to buy a jacket?
1: Like, for oh, the definitely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I actually do remember the first snowfall at Notre Dame. It was, it was amazing. And it, and it was only just, I mean, it was half mud, but, but it was just to see it falling. It was just such beauty to it, you what know? Is this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, I remember there was a little bit of a snowball fight, but it wasn't a bit, you know, like I said, it wasn't that much, so it didn't stick that well. But um, in any case, uh, yeah, I was amazed by that. And, but as far as switching to, Amer- you know, coming to America, that wasn't a big change because although they're, they are different, uh, the culture's a little bit different, it's a little more kind of laid back, I would say, but all our television is American television. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I watch NFL and mm-hmm. baseball and, and so on, so, uh, and you're new, already culture, the news in channels, yeah. etc. It's all the same, yeah. yeah. So it, it wasn't a big shift in that sense, yeah. More mm-hmm. the weather, yes, but but as far as the culture, not is so there much.
0: like I mean, there's like British kind of that's where the right, yeah, the I didn't mention it come in and, exactly. I didn't and there's a different that. school system, too. Like, yes. there's 13 years or something,
1: or yeah, it's just numbered differently, okay. It's, it's the same amount of years, but they uh, instead of um, you know, grade one, two, three, it's year one, two, three, and then it gets up mm-hmm. to. In high school, there's sixth form and so on. So anyway, um, but but it is the British education system, and it is a British dependent territory, the Cayman Islands. So, um, I could get into the whole government, but we no, no, we don't yeah, need that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> The Queen is on our money, uh, and I'm sure soon it'll be the King. But um, but at the moment, yeah. So so that is that is a difference for sure. Oh, wow. Yes, yeah. We're part of the British Commonwealth. So
0: so now you're in Notre Dame. You you're thinking you want to study theology. So you. Yes. Declare your major as theology?
1: Yeah, I switched to that. And again, priesthood is in the back of my mind, but it wasn't that I knew that I was going to be a priest, but but it was always kind of there. And I thought, you know, maybe I could teach or, you know, our family does have, um, we have a family business. And so, I mean, in a sense, I knew I could kind of fall back on that no matter what I did. Um, But in any case...
0: uh, Well, when was the first time you thought about priesthood, though? Like, was it always in the back of your mind did it start when you were a little kid was it this irish priest what i mean like when did that kind of start for you because sometimes when i talk to guys i ask them well when was the first time like you felt like maybe you were called and it doesn't mean like god told me i needed to be a priest or i had this amazing dream or this but you just it was just there when when did you notice that
1: yeah i don't know if i can put an age to it but it was pretty young um you know either in grade school or high school, I I, I just remember, like I said, praying and and asking or telling the Lord, like, I'll do it. And then um, I think I always thought it was something he might actually call me to, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, and not, I don't mean this in any kind of like prideful way. I just, I feel like he has blessed me in a million ways. Mm. And so I was always very grateful. And like, I don't know, I just had a sense he was going to call me to something. Mm. And, and so, yeah, I, I don't know if I can put an exact age on it, but but in uh, one thing at Notre Dame, there was a moment where, uh, I was praying in the Basilica there and uh, the, is actually the Basilica of the Sacred Heart. And, uh, it wasn't like an overpowering, like be a priest kind of thing. You know, it was mm-hmm. just like a, just this subtle invitation or like, yeah, I could be a priest. I could see myself doing that. I'd be happy doing that. Um, so I, I, again, that was just a little nudge uh one thing that happened in at university was uh and I probably always had a touch of this, but it got worse in at university was scrupulosity, so yeah. I would worry about little things and think they were sins or little things and think they were mortal sins, and so on so it was yeah that that kind of grew and developed during that time uh at root of it really is like a, per, a per perfectionism mm-hmm. and essentially not trusting in the in the mercy of God or. thinking you have to be perfect to be loved essentially Mm -hmm. and so um so i don't think i necessarily had that understanding at the time but in any case it was something that um was a struggle for me during that time
0: it seems so that like a lot of priests while they were going through discernment, kind of had a little bit of that Mm -hmm. like it's it's sort of kind of i want to say almost normal sometimes like you want to strive to something and you realize your own sinfulness and you know, you start to notice all the sinful ways you are, and you want to correct that. But of course it takes time. And, you know, like you said, you started in the chapel for only 10 minutes a day and then it grew. And Mm -hmm. it's the same with recognizing the love of God in our lives. We can experience his love a little bit and then it just takes time to really understand his love and his mercy. And then that kind of goes away
1: a little bit. Yeah. And I think part of that too was at, at, I don't remember if it was the first year or when at some point i started to go to daily mass as well uh and so i it, it was always this like well do i need to go to confession first kind of thing you know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and and so um that probably all added to it but um in any case that was uh you know a, a trial but but it was still something you know where I, I would, in time, have to learn to just trust the Lord and, and rely right. upon Him. Yeah. But I wasn't ready when it came to graduating from Notre Dame. Like I, yeah, I just wasn't hmm. sure, you know. I, and so I didn't, I didn't apply or anything to seminary at that point. And instead, I did this program called Echo, hmm. uh, which is run through the University of Notre Dame, where you work in a parish for two years while taking classes uh, in theology. Actually, an MA in theology. In the summer, it's like intense classes, like hmm. two or three week long classes. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but you cover the same amount of material yeah. as like a semester. And you go Monday, <laughs> Monday yeah, Tuesday yeah. Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, every day, day, yeah. And then, so it was two summers and then the third summer was the Conference of Exams. And mm. then during the year you were assigned to a parish and you lived in community. So I was assigned to the Diocese of Wilmington, Delaware and lived with two other guys who were in, they worked in other parishes, but we lived in the same location. Now this program isn't like a seminary thing. The idea was to get younger people Working in the church as directors of religious, of religious education and so on, so it's kind of a focus on evangelization and catechesis, um, which is I think part of why they sent me to do catechetics for, <laughs> for the doctorate. Yeah, comes so, full circle. Yeah, exactly. So it was, uh, it was a good experience for sure. And uh, by the end of that, I was kind of I had I came on a discernment weekend as well here, so that was kind of the January of, oh, eight.
0: So just how does that work because you're you're in the Cayman Islands or your home base is mm-hmm. Cayman Islands but you're in Delaware right sure. now and then you're like you want to come to a discernment weekend so you probably called your parish priest first who then got you hooked up with the vocation director in Detroit how did that work out?
1: Yeah that's a good question I, uh, I don't remember the exact order of things but um, certainly you know I know I talked to Father Bernie as the vocation director um, and also when I was in Delaware, uh, so Bishop Quinn at the time was an auxiliary here, and he was the Bishop that the Duke Confirmations back in my home. He parent. was on
0: our podcast too. So oh. go back a couple episodes and please check out that podcast on uh, Men of the Hearts.
1: Bishop Quinn is awesome. <laughs> I, I love Bishop Quinn. He's I do too. He's a, really, a great yeah, guy. Yeah. And so when I was in Delaware, they had the bishops meeting in Baltimore. So I must have contacted Father Bernie, or somehow anyway, I got connected with him and ended up having lunch with him there um, mm-hmm. in Baltimore. So it's just an hour away from Delaware. So I, I was able to drive there and meet with him. And he gave me, I mean, he gave me his own cell number. I can call any time. He, he did a follow-up call just to check on me, but yeah, he was just, just very generous and kind and-
0: That's his nature.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I had lunch with him and uh, I don't remember if that was before or after the discernment weekend, but in any case, when I came on the discernment weekend, uh, there was just a lot of peace mm. you know and and that's a great sign that it's where the Lord wants you and so uh I applied and was accepted and um, after I entered seminary the Lord just kind of confirmed it over and over again in different ways through retreats through my spiritual directors uh, and formators and so on so by the time of the end of seminary I had a great desire to be a priest and it, the thought of becoming a priest just gave me great joy
0: mm. yeah yeah then- so did you get the MA? Did you finish the MA? I did.
1: So the so the summer of 2008, it was just exams. So I did that and then entered in the fall of '08 to okay. at Sacred Heart. Yeah.
0: So what was Sacred Heart like for you coming in and you know you've been working in a parish, you feel called to the priesthood. You know that you had a lot of peace when you came on the discernment weekend. Yeah. You got accepted to the seminary, so that's a good sign that there's something there. So. Yeah. What was the seminary like for you and, and how did God speak to you? You said many times you just felt confirmed in it. It'd be nice to know like what that, what that looks like. Cause I think sometimes guys need to know that, oh, that's a confirmation spirit, you know, like that's sure. God working. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I loved like pretty much every minute of Sacred Heart. Yeah. Of my time here. I really enjoy, um, it was just a wonderful time being at the seminary and, you know, sometimes it can be a struggle for guys just cause you know, the Lord is doing this purification in you and stuff. And I, not to say there wasn't that I certainly by God's grace and believe, you know, conversion definitely happened, but I, I think maybe because I struggled with truth velocity and all that before that maybe that was kind of my period of purification. I don't know, but mm-hmm. in any case, um, I really enjoyed my time here and, uh, just the prayer, the brotherhood, um, and, uh, yeah just like I said in in, in retreats and so on I, I'm trying to think of a specific grace right now but it was just ways where the Lord yeah just I was at peace and there was this joy and and um, knowing that he was with me and that he was guiding me and so it, again I, I can't say that I had like an overpowering moment it was just more subtle graces over, you know little ones step by step kind of thing yeah mm-hmm. so it was more gradual for me it wasn't mm-hmm. well, you know just a one encounter or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. Are you part of St. Paul um, evangelization and stuff? Uh,
1: I mean, I went no, I mean, I was here, I've been out there with them before, and okay. when I was here, I um, did some of the street evangelization. Yeah, some of their training or something, uh, but, or a talk by Steve Dawson, but I, I, I'm not like officially part of it. Okay. Um, yeah. My first assignment was St. Paul's. I don't know if that's okay, what Okay, maybe were that's what I was thinking. thinking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, I was at St. Paul in the Lake in, in Gross Point Farms. So.
0: Yeah. Tell us about that. How yeah. was, how was oh, the first assignment? I
1: loved every minute of that, too. That was that was a great community. I, was, I can say all kinds of graces there. Um, Monsignor Halfpenny was the pastor there, and he was just a real great mentor. You know, he's been a priest for many years, and just so much wisdom that I could just bounce any question off of mm-hmm. him at any time. And we'd pray evening prayer together, uh, and... Uh, it was he really treated me like a brother too. He, he's very much uh, part about fraternity, and he's been part of a priestly fraternity. A kind of monthly, they get together. His whole priesthood, I mean, it's been yeah forty. I think it's I think he's later forty years now. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the exact number, but um, and and he talks about how that has been such a grace in his life, and so mm-hmm. he's all about fraternity. And so being with him was was a real blessing. Um, and I just thought that the, the staff there, they were just all very. Uh, on fire for the Lord and Mm -hmm. um, uh, a great heart for evangelization. And so it was just a great team. And then the community too, uh, just, I think, at least my take on it is because gross point, many people have, our families have been there for generations. There's already this sort of inbuilt sense of community. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was invited to many homes and really felt like family there. So it was, I I really loved that assignment a lot
0: yeah okay. and then what was after that assignment? and that's
1: when then when they asked me to do the studies at okay. Catholic University and so for uh, in 2017 I went um, to to Catholic U okay yeah lived in a parish there while studying which was just like a 10-minute walk away
0: Nice. Yeah. did you do anything at the parish while you were studying or your full assignment was I study and that's
1: so what so I f- do yeah um, were you with I did Fred? I I was with father Fred
2: close yep. okay, yeah yes yep. so well, he how was do you know who father Fred is our our good friend Father Craig, uh, Father John Shi, uh, okay, also stayed there when he was studying. So oh, okay. yeah, uh, so I got to meet him once. Very very good man. Absolutely absolutely. And and um, and
1: also the time I went, uh, one of my classmates from Saginaw, Father Andy Laframboys, he's their vocation director. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was sent out there at the same the same year nice. and everything. So nice. he was studying at the JP Two Institute for studies in marriage and family, <laughs> and then I was at CUA for catechetics. So we ended up. Part of it, why we ended up there was he, as a, technically it's a different school. So he didn't, he couldn't live like at the priest residence on campus. So we wanted to live together. So we ended up at that parish together. So um, I didn't do a lot of ministry, obviously, because I was doing the full-time studies, but I did do masses on Sundays. So,
2: yeah. Nice. Yeah.
0: That's awesome, man. Yeah. So when, when... I mean I guess just kinda of going back a little bit, I mean, were you in any relationships
1: or anything like that? Um No, nothing not no. Um Nothing major? Nothing major. Yeah. You in high school there was there was a girl I was interested in but it didn't work out and, and so on, so but but no, I actually didn't.
0: didn't. No, yeah. And that's fine. You know, like there's a lot of guys that, you know, will come to me who've maybe been in a very long relationship and you know, sometimes if you know you've been in a five-year relationship you know maybe the month after you break up is not the time to to think about coming to the seminary (laughs) sure (laughs) we usually want like a year or two years just to make sure that that healing has taken place and no second thoughts come up but uh, it doesn't mean that you have to have been in a long relationship or or even a short relationship if you know what God's call is for you because I've had some guys you know kind of question that sometimes as well it's like well you know I'm young should I date a little bit if if just to see or you know like well where is God calling you like if you don't have a desire to date and you really have this desire to enter into the seminary well then that's fine yeah you know why do you need to do something that you don't necessarily want to do just to know that you're sure that you really want to do
1: right that's exactly right I didn't I just didn't want to date just for the sake of it you know um and never had like a strong like oh I've got to be with this person or something so um so yeah I guess I didn't
2: I think it's just cool to point out, too, now that, now that I've gotten the privilege of being on a couple of these, everybody's story is just different. Sure. And so, like, uh, Father Craig, you mentioned oftentimes there's just, you know, you don't have to be the guy who did X, Y, or Z. You don't have to be the guy who had the five-year girlfriend before. And, and being in seminary, my own experience was like there were guys all over the place. You know, there were guys who had, you know, been in very serious relationships and then kind of, you know, it broke, it broke up. And then some months or a year later, they started to feel the call. And then there was guys very much who literally just kind of came right out of high school and something they didn't have probably like a maybe like a a, a girl they had a crush on or a, maybe like a, a high school girlfriend but it wasn't like they were like in any necessary long-term serious relationship and and it was just beautiful to kind of witness being in seminary and watching how like god god calls whoever he calls and he calls them in the exact way that he knows he needs to reach them okay. and uh and we don't have to uh we don't have to always i mean our stories are always different and and then there is something kind of you know like, that's okay. That's actually good. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, so I just like what you're saying. You know, some guys are X and some guys are Y and some guys are Z. I know we're talking with, um, different different stories in the past and, and especially maybe nowadays, uh, mindful of to all the respect to the brothers that we've had on that have, uh, been priests for far longer than we've been alive. Sometimes, um, but maybe they, they had the more the it was more normal back then to go earlier on into seminary. And now maybe like just noticing when I was in seminary, I don't know what it's like for you guys, but guys can kind of come out of college. They, they can be a little bit of a later start to it, oftentimes with more of like a, hey, they might have had a relationship with a girl or they, they kind of worked a job for a period of time or they just kind of took some detours along the way. And God will use all of that to kind of get them to where he needs them to be. Yeah, definitely. And and just, yeah, I, I love how you mentioned scrupulosity even, mindful of like I experienced that myself in my own life and just, how there's different kind of senses of you know where some guys are uh, even in our own ordination class some guys were you know different kind of personality types different kind of struggles different kind of skills you know some guys might have been very gifted intellectually but struggled more with like um I don't know, preaching, or that was made them more nervous or something like that, whereas I remember other guys who were like excited as all to get out to go preach, and then they really struggle with studies, you know? Right. So it's just, it just, I mean, just to kind of point out, I guess, is all in my long-windedness here that every, like, God works with us all differently. And I know, Father Craig, you've mentioned this before, like, he calls different kinds of guys, and he calls us all at the right time. And, and yeah, we might need some time to kind of process that and take some time before we actually come into seminary, but there is no one-size-kind-of-fits-all and there is no kind of cookie-cutter guy, Right. Uh, if Jesus is calling you, come. Yeah. yeah, so many
0: guys have so many different things going on in their lives, so you don't have to be perfect. The, you don't have to be a perfect candidate because there's no such thing as a perfect candidate yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, God will use you wherever you're at you just have to see how God's working in your life and I think the only thing that is cookie cutter that everybody has to have is, is a relationship with God a relationship sure, yeah, with Jesus I mean, that's, and the sacraments of initiation that's right yes, <laughs> <yeah>. sacraments <laughs> of initiation you <laughs> have to be confirmed yeah. <laughs> and baptized yeah, yeah. yeah, and yeah, yeah, Holy yeah. Um, yeah but god's going to use anything and and god can even take your sinful past if you've had a sinful past and and turn that into his glory uh that's that's the scandal of the cross right he took something that was horrible and turned it into what we boast about as saint paul says you know like Mm -hmm, we boast in the cross of christ because that's our salvation so even our past sins can can turn out to be for his glory like you know the devil has no hold on us and so if you're sitting there thinking to yourself i live such a you know sordid life i don't think i'd ever you know be able to be considered that's that's not true at all like we're not you know the church is a church of second third fourth fifth sixth seventh thousand (laughs) thousand thousand chances right seven times 70 uh you know how many times we forgive and are forgiven so uh don't let that stop you and and don't let even age stop you as well I'm I'm thinking at the top of my head right now if if we're going to post it on Facebook I wasn't going to because we got so many things that we're posting and different things like that but uh, I have a seminarian who's out at St. John the 23rd that's for older vocations and this is a man who came to me when he was 63 years old and you think you know when he first called me I'm like nah (laughs) like who is this guy Hmm. but it was sincere it was real you know he he was with his wife he took care of his wife as uh his wife was passing away um she lived a lot longer than the doctors said so it was a very long kind of arduous process but he he learned how to take care of someone in a different way and it really made an impact in his life and and you'll watch it it's, it's on our facebook now if you want go to it and, and watch his vocation story um he just kept on seeing the sacred heart everywhere mm even before his wife mm. passed away. And then it was when they went to the graveside, the, the plot right next to him was the sacred heart of Jesus. And he mm. just felt wow. like God was calling me and all these obstacles for a 63 year old man, you know, to enter seminary, there's a lot of things that have to come down and all of those obstacles and all of those walls just came down. And, you know, he's in his third year of theology and, uh, hopefully within a couple years we will be ordained to the priesthood. So don't let even age stop you either. I mean, of Mm -hmm. course, you have to have to really, really have the call and kind of know for certain because it's different than an 18-year-old coming, going, well, I really don't know what God might be doing in my life. Well, you're 18. You really don't know anything. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, if you're, you know, in your upper 40s or something like that, you know, you're a little bit more established. And, okay, so you should have a, a little bit more idea and control of what God's doing in your life. And yeah. to say, you know, I really do believe, I know I'm not saying that it has to be this way, but I'm saying that I feel God is calling me this way. If you give me a shot and, uh, all the doors open that need to open, then it can happen. So never rule yourself out. Yeah. You know, uh,
2: go ahead. I'm sorry. No. Yeah.
1: And, and we just following on what you're saying. It's, it's like the apostles, right? Fisherman, tax sure. collector, yeah. zealot. And um, not only does God call from every walk of life, but we'll all reach, like, different people, too, you mm-hmm. know? Like, mm-hmm. he calls us for a specific reason, or, well, it doesn't have to be just one specific reason, but but I just mean, like, our particular gifts, our particular personality, everything, will will reach certain people maybe more than someone else might, you know? Yeah. And uh, it, it made me think, when you were saying that, um, my grandparents, they were daily Mass attendees, and I remember when I was a seminarian, I would go. It's an early Mass at home at 7 a.m., and so I would... Go to mass and then I'd do breakfast with them when I was home mm-hmm. from seminary, and they would share stories of all the priests that were there. Because I mean, they were literally there from pretty much the beginning of the Catholic Church in the Cayman Islands. Like sure. the church has only been yeah. there since the '50s. They were OGs. Yeah, yeah, almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, I think a year or two where, but but close. <laughs> yeah. And they were very anyway. So um, they would share stories of the different priests and different personalities, different and and, and one you know, some that had a sense of humor, etc. And but he always. My, I remember my grandfather talking about how, um, you know, each was there for a reason and and helped kind of the church grow in a particular way with their gifts, and so they kind of built on who came before and then progressed it as well. So it was, it was just, yeah, that just made me think of that. So
2: yeah,
0: yeah. So now you're here at the seminary. Yeah. So what's the seminary like, and and what do you see uh, in the seminarians that is sort of you know, some qualities of, of a guy that would be accepted to the seminary? Yeah. Especially um, as a, a spiritual director and a teacher now, like, what do you, what do you see? What's unique? What's, what's going on in these times?
1: Yeah. Uh, I guess I've only been doing spiritual direction for maybe a month or so now, or uh, but I think just the honesty and the transparency, like just opening their heart. It's really a, a gift to be a spiritual director because not that it's, I mean, it's good to be an external formator too, but, but you know, they really uh, talk on, you know, things they might not tell everyone and, and, and mm-hmm. to entrust that to you is, is a great grace. And so, um, yeah, just being honest about what's going on in their own mind and, you know, it's a whole, for well, you know, each person is different, but some it's like a big change in their life. They were in the workplace and now um, there's this, you know, there's structure and a certain order to things and, and they're used to doing what they wanted to do whatever they wanted, essentially, or, you know, they, they could kind of direct their own day. And so that can take an adjustment, but, but their honesty in it and saying like, no, this is a struggle for me or, or, um, you know, new guys just kind of very green and like just trying to learn the ropes and so on too. Yeah. So, um, I think, yeah, just the honesty, like you said before, the love for the Lord and the relationship with him and, and this desire for prayer, um, and this just a desire to serve. You know, to bless yeah. others, to help others, to know the Lord as well. Mm-hmm. So. so what what is priesthood like for
0: you now that you're in the seminary? Because, I mean, you don't really think like, okay, I'm going to get ordained and then teach at the seminary. Right. You know, so like how how is it different for you? And, and what are some of the graces that you never thought that you would have come across because you're at the seminary?
1: Yeah. Um, well, one is certainly the fraternity. It's just been good to be amongst the priests um, here. Um great group of guys we get along really well and like every dinner every night we're having dinner together hmm. and talking about whatever it is you know um so that's been a great grace because with the with the doctorate I'll be I will be honest it was it was a little bit isolating you know like you're mm-hmm. in your mind a lot and um that was it was quite a challenge going from full time in the parish but to there um so I have enjoyed the fraternity uh, here uh and you know it's just a lot of support like I say like if you have questions or like Teaching is a bit of a learning curve for me, to be honest. Uh, I mm-hmm. never really taught a whole class. And so being able to just go down the hall and say, hey, you know, Father Ryan, what do I do in this situation? Or how can I, you know, just to learn from each other too. So it's humbling mm-hmm. as well and realizing, um, you know, I got to rely on the Lord more, um, mm-hmm. even more. Um, and uh, so so that's been a grace just to, in a sense, to be, to be humbled as well. Um, and not to sometimes... It's, i mean it's great to get the affirmation from people but you can always it can kind of get to your head a little bit too and and be a little get a little puffed up or like oh i'm on this big deal or something uh, not that i thought that directly but essentially you know it can it can cause a little bit of pride or vanity and and so to be humbled is a good thing hmm.
0: um i mean you got a doctorate, like you know so much more than especially the newer guys um but i mean how what is their knowledge when they come to to your class i mean what what grade are you like actually teaching so i actually
1: have the third year theology guys so, these so are guys yeah getting more getting yeah. ready to at least this semester yeah they're they're not too far from ordination to the diaconate um so they've been i think very generous and very kind and mm-hmm. and and have been responsive to you know um so that's been another blessing i have to like do m- too much um mm-hmm. uh what do you call it like pulling pulling teeth sort of thing like they they're, they are comfortable and, and as men and, and in their own identity and so on. And so they're able to, uh, yeah, share answers as, as needed. So, yeah. um, so that, that's been a, a blessing too. I feel bad for them a little bit, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> now being a spiritual director here and a teacher,
0: what would you tell a man listening to this podcast right now to do to, if he feels
1: called a yeah. priesthood. Um uh, the words of Jesus come and see, you know, come and see that, uh, the only way to really know is to come and, and try it out, essentially. And it, it, and as, as you have probably have said before, um, you come to the seminary to discern. Like, it's not that you have to know 100%. You should have an inkling and a sense that God is calling you, but but you come to, to test that. And and you might, you, you know, the majority of guys don't actually go all the way through, because. Mm-hmm. but it's a good thing. I, had, I remember some of my friends early on in, in priesthood who... Uh, who discerned out and they would say now, like it made him a better man, you know, better husband, better father, because they grew closer to the Lord and grew mm-hmm. in prayer. And so it won't be wasted time. So mm. that's my my advice, like come and see. And then the other thing is, yeah, pray daily, <laughs> pray every day. Padre mm-hmm. Pio says prayer is oxygen for the soul, right? Mm-hmm. So without oxygen, we die, You're right? Die, without yeah. prayer, our spiritual life, our relationship with the Lord won't be alive. And so uh, we need to pray every day. And I would, I, bu- and my favorite, place for prayer is eucharistic adoration mm-hmm. uh, but you can pray anywhere of course but um i would ha- that's what i would rec- recommend going you mm-hmm. know going to adoration as well um if not you know weekly if you can go daily even better but you know, mm-hmm. yeah. stay close to jesus in the eucharist amen to that
2: so. amen well,
0: well it's been wonderful having you on
2: yeah thank you very much yeah. uh, great to hear your I've story
0: and you got like a unique path in which the god what god led you to and kind of interesting experiences and everything so it's wonderful to hear all of that
1: well thank you and thank you for all you're doing to help promote voc- vocations too so it's well, been a blessing for we're me. we're
0: trying so. our best
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> what
0: well, would you like to lead us out in a prayer
1: sure in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen amen mm-hmm. heavenly father we just thank you and praise you for your mercy and for your love and your goodness um i just ask lord that you In a particular way bless Father Craig and and Father Drew as they help to promote vocations um, and bless anyone who is listening now uh, or anyone that you're calling that may not even be listening that they uh, will hear your call and see it as not a burden or or something to be afraid of but a great grace uh, an invitation to joy an invitation to love an invitation to sacrifice their life for another for others um, to draw them into the kingdom of God to know you now and for all eternity and so Lord we ask that each of us will be with you forever in heaven and that through us you will you will lead many souls uh, to your kingdom as well we entrust this to our Blessed Mother as we pray Hail, Hail, Mary. Hail Mary full of, full of grace, grace the Lord, Lord is with thee blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, womb Jesus
0: Holy Mary, Mary mother of God pray for us sinners, sinners now and at the hour of our death, amen. St. Francis of Assisi, pray for for us. us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you too. Thanks a lot, Father. God bless.
0: You've been listening to The Shred Session. I mean, Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit, Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me, your host, Father Craig Garrow. And Father Drew Mabey. As we explore the priesthood here, vocation stories from priests all over the Archdiocese, and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com.